0: Today on CityCast DC, kids in DC are headed back to school on Monday, and the rule has always been, you got to be vaccinated to go to school. DC actually used to have a pretty good vax rate. But this year, there's a weird and worrying trend. Vaccinations are down across the board, not just for the now mandatory COVID shot. Colleen Grablek of DCist is here to explain why. 25th, 2022. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is Citycast DC. So, in 2020, when you think of uh, vaccination, I think a lot of people's minds go to COVID. But uh, vaccination for schools, as anyone who's a parent knows, has been around a long time, and it's historically been kind of boring and not uh, controversial. But DC's vaccination numbers used to be pretty okay, right?
1: Yeah. So up until around maybe 2018, 2019, when there was a bit of a measles outbreak in New York, it put some schools and public health officials in D.C. on alert, and it made us realize, you know, our measles vaccination rates for younger children were not up to where they should be. So typically you want to aim for 95 percent of a population being vaccinated against anything. We heard this with COVID that when we had sort of a pipe dream of herd immunity. We wanted to get to 95%. And you want that for schools as well. So DC had around like a 92% rate in 2019 for measles in schools. And thankfully, DC never had an outbreak the size of um, or an outbreak at all like New York had. But that was when things started to falter. And LaQuandra Nesbitt used to be the director of D.C. Health. She recently stepped down, but at the time she had to warn schools to, you know, make sure that you are telling parents that their kids need to be vaccinated. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and people were not getting their children routinely checked up anymore, whether they were wary of going to the doctor or it just kind of fell off of their minds. So our rates have really dropped since then. Now only about 77% of students across all schools in D.C. are up to date on their routine childhood vaccinations.
0: So that's like a huge drop off. Is there a theory as to why?
1: Yeah, we've seen a lot of this across the country. You know, nationally, our rates have fallen as well. Like I said, people were not going into doctor's offices out of fear of contracting COVID. There's also a growing sort of sentiment against vaccines. Again, we're seeing that across the country. But also in D.C., we have such a interjurisdictional setup. So there are children that are living in Maryland or living in Virginia but may attend a parochial or private school in D.C., And they may have very well gotten vaccinated in their home state or home jurisdiction, and those just aren't reported to the city. So when D.C. Health was making this big push at the beginning of August, they were like, you know, your child may be vaccinated. That could be the case. You just have to remember to please report that to your child's school. And with remote learning and some parents either keeping their kids home or learning virtually, that information may have not been shared with schools.
0: So what happens if this number doesn't go up by the time school starts on Monday?
1: So theoretically, D.C.'s current policy, and this mirrors policies in the region as well, is that if a child is not brought into compliance within 20 days, they won't be able to attend school. They'll essentially be sent home.
0: And brought into compliance means given their shots.
1: Yep. Up to date on all of the required vaccines for their age.
0: Um, And that's true for all schools in D.C. or just public schools?
1: So, this goes for all schools in DC. So, private charter, parochial, public, all schools are required to follow and enforce this policy. Whether that will happen remains to be seen.
0: And again, people think about COVID vaccines, but there is a, you know, most vaccines for school aged kids are a pretty old hat and at least before COVID were not controversial. What is required?
1: It varies by age. So the most are required when they're about like two to three. So you're thinking preschool, pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade is when they're getting the majority of the first ones and the boosters. And this is for things like measles, mumps, and rubella. That's the MMR vaccine that we hear a lot about. Hepatitis A and B, diphtheria, tetanus, and then also polio, which has been in the news recently because there's been some circulation of it detected in New York City. And then in middle school and high school, requirements include some boosters for those that they got when they were in elementary school. And then the HPV vaccine is also required. But then now we also have the COVID vaccine, which DC is requiring. It's one of the only school systems or cities in the nation that's requiring 12 and older students to be vaccinated against COVID. That will also be a part of the mandated vaccines this year.
0: So are some schools performing worse than others? Do we Are we able to see that schools in one part of town or another or private versus public uh, have different rates of vaccination compliance?
1: Yes. So they haven't broken it down geographically, but you can also see By type of school where kids are falling behind and where they're keeping up to par. At the beginning of the summer, the city had shared with the D.C. Council sort of a breakdown of vaccination rates as they were already aware of this problem of our slipping rates. And it was clear that at some of the city's parochial or private schools, vaccination rates tended to be a bit lower.
0: But your contention is that that might just be because of a weird jurisdictional thing kids get vaccinated back home in Virginia or something? that could be it. But what about, I mean, you know, I think one of the really cool things about looking at data from schools is you can see sort of socioeconomic data playing out in real time because so many schools are neighborhood based. Are we able to discern anything about whether some communities in D.C. are struggling more to get themselves vaccinated?
1: Yeah. So as is the case with all COVID vaccines for the past two years now or year and a half that they've been rolled out. Black residents typically are vaccinated at lower rates than white residents. So that was actually a point of contention when they were passing the bill to bring COVID into these required immunizations, is that our 12 to 17-year-olds in our Black 12 and 17-year-olds are vaccinated at lower rates against COVID than white students, which would mean if those kids are sent home from school, it would add to sort of an already widening education gap that started during the, the pandemic.
0: So you're saying that rates of COVID vaccination among Black kids are lower than among white kids. Is there a similar gap in in sort of less controversial vaccines?
1: I haven't seen that data from DC Health. They are sort of doing a push at certain schools. So they're doing mobile vaccination vans that are going to schools in areas that have had low COVID vaccine uptake to make sure that they're caught up on other vaccinations as well. And I talked to a pediatrician with Children's National, uh, Gabrina Dixon. And she told me that due to the factors that we have been discussing throughout the pandemic, you know, medical racism and distrust, some families may be reluctant to take their child to get vaccinated against COVID or other things.
0: But what's striking to me is that, you know, the economic inequality, medical racism, all this stuff, you know, was in existence 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 100 years ago. But the, uh, the real divergence in uh, vaccination uh, is it just dates to the pandemic, is what I think I hear you saying. Yeah. So what kind of stats are we looking at now when we're talking about high school students?
1: So across D.C. schools, high school students, about 50% of them are not in compliance. And if you look in the D.C. health COVID breakdown, at least, you can see that For 16 to 7-year-olds that are white, about 90% of them are um, at least vaccinated fully, not including a booster if they are eligible now for a booster, vaccinated fully against COVID. And that's compared to only about 60% of Black 16 to 17-year-olds. And the the mandate will only require a full series, which is the first and second dose.
0: So your reporting was from earlier this month, and and our our numbers are... They just date from early uh, August. Is that right?
1: Yeah, about August 5th.
0: Not speaking about anyone personally, but there are some parents out there who um, maybe only get their stuff together at the very, 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 very last minute. (laughs) Again, that's not a function of the pandemic. That would have been just as true five years ago. How usual is it that there's a lot of people who are just sort of sliding in under the deadline?
1: You know, I'm not really sure when most people go to get their kids vaccinated, but this is sort of a common reoccurrence every year. I'm thinking of ads that they do that are sort of like put vaccines on your back to school to do list. So I think they are aware that, you know, for parents who have a lot on their plate, this may fall to the last month of August. And I'm sure that's maybe the case in previous years. This year, though, we are seeing sort of this like really outsized response and push because of the falling rates.
0: So like, how does this matter? I mean, are we are they freaked out that we're like on the cusp of a measles outbreak or something like that as a result of this?
1: Yeah. If you talk to a public health person or a pediatrician, that is a concern. Just looking at what we've seen with polio in New York, I think that was kind of unexpected. No one was thinking that we would see any type of outbreak. But there have been in recent years, like I mentioned, in New York, measles outbreaks. And it really does only take, as Dr. Dixon from Children's National had explained to me, one or two students in a classroom who are unvaccinated to spread the virus. And even if another child is vaccinated in the classroom, they could get mild symptoms from it, but take it home to a three-month-old sibling, and then that sibling gets measles. So, And it just gets worse and worse the more kids you have in a classroom that are unvaccinated. And that's a very real concern. And these are, like, whooping cough is another big one that sometimes spreads around schools. And that one can be pretty dangerous for, for babies and other kids.
0: But your reporting in D.C. Is, uh, suggests that there's uh, less of a drop-off going on in uh, the big suburban school systems.
1: Yeah, uh, at least statewide in Virginia, the CDC's numbers for 2020 and 2021, that school year, Virginia was about at 95%, which is the target number you want for vaccinations for kindergartners, uh, the MMR vaccines. And then in uh, Maryland, there was a bit of a drop off from the 2019-2020 school year to 2020-21. Statewide, it went down to 88%, which is still, you know, a lot better than D.C., but
0: So how is it that D.C. winds up having COVID vaccine mandate, but uh, the uh, Maryland and Virginia do not?
1: The D.C. Council passed a law at the end of 2021, and that law requires any student 12 and older right now, or essentially any student who has a vaccine that is fully authorized by the FDA available to them to be fully vaccinated against COVID. Right now, that vaccine is not authorized for the younger ones. So it just applies to 12 years and older. And they approved and passed that bill that brought COVID into the group of required childhood immunizations.
0: So what about grownups? Like how are the, for COVID vaccines particularly, what's what's the state right now of D.C., like general population vaccination versus national average or versus the way our experts would like us to be?
1: Yeah, Uh, we're at about 80% in D.C. for the percentage of residents here who have completed at least a two-dose series of a COVID vaccine.
0: What about the teachers who are teaching them?
1: I don't have updated numbers on the percentage of DCPS staff that are vaccinated against COVID, but that is a requirement by the city, which went into place back in 2021 that city employees had to be vaccinated against COVID.
0: All right. Hey, Colleen, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And before you head into the weekend, some quick news. First, you might remember our episode featuring Jonathan Katz about DC's lack of public restrooms. Turns out someone's taking the problem seriously. A new toilet startup called Throne Labs, get it, uh, is trying to solve the problem. Based out of Brentwood, Maryland, they make portable public toilets. All you have to do is scan a QR code to use it. If you see one around the city, tell us. Meanwhile, we have an upcoming episode about who would be on DC's Mount Rushmore if we had one you have thoughts and feelings send us a voice memo or just your thoughts about who you think should be on the list our email is dc at citycast.fm and finally we'll be dropping daily from now on you can expect to see us in your podcast feed monday through friday at 6 a.m see you there That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilvey. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cote-Stemmerman. And our hosts are Bridget, Todd, and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and for God's sake, subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye.